Top of the hour is being brought to you by DuckDuckGo, Privacy Simplify, and this hour is being brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. Ray, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Russell Dorsey, national MLB insider for Bally Sports and Stadium. President Jed Hoyer always talks about you know who's going to be a part of that next great Cubs team. They think Seiya Suzuki is going to be a big part of that. A guy who is really turned into a stud and could likely be an MVP candidate, Luis Robert, has all the tools, the power, the speed. Host of the rally on Bally Sports. If you could ban something from sports for 10 years, what would it be? I'm going to say the wave. It's a bit too much. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent Podcast. I don't let it get to that point where I have a thousand unread emails. I have 277 right now. You have bodies in your house, bro. Russell Dorsey. What's up, Russell? With Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. The Russell Dorsey joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You can check Russ out over on Stadium, Bally Sports. He's the now he's the baseball Bigfoot. And he joins us once a week because he likes to he likes to not forget where he came from. And he came from the shy. And now he joins me here on the score. What's up, Russ? What's good, Lawrence? Uh, and listen, you, you never forget where you come from. That's a, the wise word for all the kids listening out there. Always remember your people. Even when you're making that Russell Dorsey money? Stop it. Stop it. No. <laughs> I aspire to be Lawrence Holmes when I grow up. Oh, don't that do that. Most- <laughs> <laughs> That, that that would be a downgrade for you. A major, oh major downgrade for you. Always remember your folks, kids. It's it's key. Uh, you can follow Russ on Twitter at Russ Dorsey, uh, Russ underscore Dorsey one. That's where you can follow him. And he's giving you all sorts of stuff because he's traveling all over the country to watch baseball and talking about it. I heard you on the Sports Adjacent podcast talking about um, our guy, Brad. Um, yeah. For people who don't know, because Brad Evans is a is a frequent visitor to this show. I'm a huge fan of his, and and he's got his show over on with Bally and Stadium as well. That dude is the Tequila King. He's been schooling you in the arts of tequila. Yeah, listen, it, it's one of the. There's <laughs> a lot that comes with Brad Evans. Most of them good. The reason I even met Brad Evans is because I listened to your great podcast on, on the house of L network had Brad on there. He Did someone get rust too. What is going on with the folds? Right. Poor Ray. Like I said to Ray, like, Hey, we're going to do some more phone stuff. And now like the phones go away. It's really weird. And Russ had a good line. Do you think it's the ghost of David Ross? Was he mad because we called it what happened with his phone? Cylon action? Is that what's going on? Did you hang up on us, Russ? I didn't. I'm here. Okay. All right. Good. You were saying about tequila and Brad Evans. Yeah. So I was saying I heard Brad on your podcast and I'm like, okay, this seems like a really fun dude. A couple months later, we're teammates at Ballion Stadium. And I was like, yo. I'm Lawrence's homie. He's like, yo, I'm Lawrence's homie too. And then we started this great friendship. Uh, that is the guy, if you ever want to know about tequila, he, he's the guy to go to. Was tequila your drink of choice? You know, I wasn't. I'm a big wine guy. And so, like, when. 
Ray, it happened again. Russ, you went out again, but I'm starting to think it might be us and not you. This is so weird. Because you know what was funny? Like when we were talking with Dero, I heard those clicks that sounded like the phone was tapped. Got your phones tapped. What you going to do? So, all right, if it doesn't work this time, that's it. But shout out to the guys from Peace. They just showed up. Me and Speaks were talking about Peace Pizza. And there's some pizzas out there. But, yeah, I don't think it's Russ. I think it's I think it's our stuff. All right, so you put him on a different line this time. Now I kind of almost want Russ to hang up on us just to gaslight us. Like, I think that would be the move. We can hear you now, Russ. It's a good thing. Okay. I, was, I can't hang up on you if you want me to. No, I really don't want you to hang up because, I mean, this is your <laughs> segment. We do it every week. Um, all right, so I better get to the baseball stuff instead of asking you about tequila. Hey, and, listen, I'll say this real quick. Brad Evans, great dude, knows lots about betting and tequila. There you go. There we go. That That's a perfect <laughs> thing for him. Um, Russ, before I ask you about the Cubs, I saw the announced attendance at the Oakland game last night. Yeah. How much longer are they going to be in Oakland, fam? Because that doesn't seem sustainable. See, here's the problem, Lawrence. I think we've all seen what has transpired in Oakland They've traded off all of their big-name players, Sean Maniah a couple of weeks before the season started, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. But I remember after the Matt Olson trade to Atlanta, Billy Bean came out and said, look, you know, this is a situation that we find ourselves in. This is why we need a new ballpark, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, wait a minute. You, you think your ownership group is just going to change all, all of a sudden and when you're in Vegas or wherever and start spending money? No. And so I just think there's atrophy for the A's in Oakland. Like, people see a team that does not go out there and spend or try to, uh, you know, be one of the premier teams in, in Major League Baseball. And, you know, credit to them, they always seem to be there at the end, like a team that up and you look up, oh, the A's won 89 games, 90 games, not spending money. Now, you know, they traded their manager uh, or they let their manager walk, go to the, the Padres this offseason. And they trade off all of their star players. They're all stars. They were homegrown guys. It's just like, I don't know what they want from their fan base at this point. Same thing with the Reds. Like, you have the CLO come out and say, I mean, yeah, I mean, we sell the team. Where are y'all going to go? Like, even if we don't try to succeed, like, where are you guys going to go? Like, I just, you, I talk about all the time taking fans for granted, and you're seeing it from all of these different execs and entities and teams. It's really unfortunate. Seiya Suzuki right now, his on-base percentage is 581. He walked three times last night. David Ross was on my show yesterday, and he was talking about how he sees him as a guy that's going to be in the top of the the lineups going forward. He was batting second yesterday. How remarkable is what he's doing through the first 11 games? It's very remarkable, right? Like, you look at the power is the thing that stands out. It's like, okay, this was the thing that people saw, teams saw when they were scouting him in Japan, it's like, okay, this is a 25, 30 home run guy, easy in the big leagues. But I don't think the, the part that people knew about would be, he has an advanced knowledge of the strike zone. He's 27 years old. Yeah, he's a rookie, but he has that experience playing professional baseball for a long time. So when he comes over here, no, he hasn't seen a lot of the pitchers 
that are here in the big leagues. But once you have that knowledge of the strike zone, what are, what are pitchers going to do naturally? They, all right, this guy hasn't been in the big leagues. I'm going to throw him sliders down and away. He spits on it, right? He spits on fastballs out of the zone. So, like, last night, I don't think he saw a lot of fastballs at all, which led to the three walks. So this is a guy that knows, okay, guys are going to try to throw me breaking balls, sliders down and away. I'm not going to chase. And when I don't chase, I'm going to get fastballs inner third, middle in, and I'm going to drive them out of the ballpark. So it's an advanced hitter. It, it's a, a hitter that you can build around. And not only a really good hitter, but a guy who understands that, look, I will take my walks and pitchers are going to have to come to me. Ross, we were just talking with Mark DeRosa, and he's the second person that I've had a conversation on this show that has made the point that the Cubs were in on Carlos Correa. I know that you mm-hmm. still are tight with folks over at Addison and Clark. You talk to people all around the league. How serious was this conversation that the Cubs had with Correa? I know there was interest. Uh, I don't have it sourced as well as others that you've had it on, on your show about it, but it, it makes sense, right? When you think about what the Cubs lost last year in Bryant and Rizzo and Baez, you couldn't come into this season and not make a splash of some sort. Um, I think that was the guy that you'd want to build around. Like They had a, a need at shortstop after losing Javi. And I, I think there was a fit on both sides. And now ultimately the, the Minnesota Twins were the team that won the sweepstakes. But when you hear the different things around baseball, when you talk to people about like the fits for Carlos Correa, the Cubs would always come up. So it doesn't, like it makes sense that they would have been in on him. Um, but no, it's not a surprise at all that, that it was as serious as the folks that you've ever have had on have talked about. You think that if, if he's not happy in Minnesota, I expect you know he'll opt out because why wouldn't mm-hmm. you when you have that incredible contract that, that his representation got him? Do you think that the Cubs will revisit it? Why not? Right? Like, why not? Like, they don't have a ton of financial commitments after the season. They have a lot of young guys coming in. If there was a time to make a really big splash in free agency, this offseason or, or next offseason would be the time to do it. And for a guy like that that can you can build around for the next decade, it seems like a perfect fit. So, look, right now things have been okay for, for the Cubs. They've started off mm-hmm. okay. What has to keep happening for them to be okay for the rest of this season? Like, What are the things that you're looking at that they have to do well to make this thing work in 2022? They have to pitch. Right, It was their biggest weakness last year, even Kyle Hendricks not having the season that many expected him to have. And I think naturally as a competitor, when your entire team gets traded away, I think there's a natural letdown that happens, uh, either consciously or subconsciously. I, I don't think if you'd ask Kyle, he's like, look, that's not an excuse. At the same time, it's like I think it would be hard for anybody. If they, you traded my whole team away and I have to go out there and try to still compete, it would be a lot more difficult. I think that happened for Kyle, and I expect to see the closer to the Kyle Hendricks that we have known for years. But you have a lot of young pitching on this team. Those guys, one, have to stay healthy. But two, you just have to get consistent starting pitching from guys. That, I'm not saying you go out there, get seven innings of one-run ball every five days, but you need five quality innings out of this rotation because you don't have the bullpen that you had last year where you had to pair up and Chafin and Kimbrell at the back end uh, and some of those younger starters that are in the rotation now 
as bridge guys, like those younger guys are in the rotation. Obviously, you have a Keegan Thompson that's now, you know, turned into that multi-inning world guy, and he's thrived in that early this season. But you just need a guy like a Justin Steele to continue, you know, having an upward trajectory and, and being a guy that you can count on for five innings every five days. Russ Dorsey of Stadium and Bally joining me here on The Score. You watching that Bulls game tonight? Uh, listen, Lawrence, you know how I feel about the Bull, and uh, I, I, I'm happy that they're back in the playoffs. There's a lot of really good basketball on uh, during this playoff cycle, and the Bulls are not the series I'm tuning into. I'll check it out. Uh, but I, I just – you saw the game. Like, Nikola Vucevic had 27 shots in the game. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing, Lawrence? And I, I just – if you're going to try to beat the reigning champs, that's not the way you do it. You know what's funny, Russ? Like, I was sitting there, and I've been throwing out this statistic all week about what Vooch and DeMar and Levine, what they shot. They shot 21 of 71. Like, that's bad. But mm-hmm. what if I said it this way? It sounds worse. Those three guys missed 50 shots. My Lord. Right? Like, <laughs> I was I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, 21 to 71? No, fam. They missed a combined 50 shots in game that one. Is a lot of shots. You took that many shots and scored 86 points. That's insane. Yeah. And and it it's it's the Patrick Williams stuff is like driving me crazy because I'm like, man, just just decide that you want to be good and you can be can good. We, can, we, can, we, can we have the conversation I wanted to have yes. the other day on yes. Twitter and people were yelling at me? Yes, now can we, we can that? have the Patrick Williams conversation. Okay. Go ahead. I know the argument that people always make, oh, he's a young guy. He's only 20 years old. Oh, he's had injuries. Yeah, sure, cool, fine. There's a lot of players around the league that have had that. Um, oh, why? You got to let them develop. Yeah. Okay, listen. When players come into the league, there's not, oh, you got to let them develop. Maybe some guys. But I look around the league at the rookies this year. I look at Jalen Green. I see special. I look at Anthony Edwards. I see special. I look at um, all these other players around the NBA in their first seasons or second seasons in the league. I look at Jordan Poole. I see special. Like, there are a lot of guys that haven't had a lot of time to develop, and you, you just see the ability to be that dude. I don't see that from Patrick Williams. And from the number one overall pick in the draft, I need to see special at some point, and I don't see that from him. And I'm not blaming him because he didn't draft himself number four overall, but, like, this whole we got to give him time to develop, no, fam. Like, there's a lot of guys around the league getting drafted and producing right away and, and showing what they can be in the league. And I just – it's the – it's like you said, it's the, the fact that he can be on the floor and he, he get a shot at, at the rim or get a wide-open look. He's not even thinking about shooting. And I just need a, a guy that's willing to say, you know what, I'm going to go get buckets. Like, I, I, there's too much deferring from the no, number four overall pick in the draft. I, I think that that's fair. I really do. I think that's a, a fair assessment of him. And the other thing is, like, if you want to draw the comparison, like, with Minnesota, they have a young guy who's the same age as Patrick Williams, and they have another guy who doesn't have, who didn't have playoff experience like Zach Levine. And both of those guys, at least in game one of that series with Memphis, they they had a game that they could have won, and they won it. And and, and right. that's that's an inexperienced team that had to fight their way into this thing. So I, I hope that the Bulls can take the good and distill it down into a win for tonight and, and eliminate some of the bad. But I got, I got a terrible feeling about tonight's game, Russ. 
I'm concerned with Zach's knee because as, as I know he's out there, he played 37 minutes the other night. I, I just it, it seems hard for him, and it's unfortunate in his first time in the playoffs that he had to deal with this knee. And then you have Demar, who played at the MVP level for so long this season, and he looks out of gas, like the shots aren't falling at the, the same clip that they were. It, it just it's unfortunate because this bull season was so fun at first, and the last. You talk about the team that limped into the playoffs, like them in, in Cleveland in, into the play-in. It just this wasn't the matchup that they wanted anyway. Like I, I think we're looking at a uh, a nice sweep here. All right, well, Russ, I appreciate the time, and I'm looking forward to to watching you on Stadium and Bally and seeing seeing my guy Brad Evans and my guy Cam Smith. You got the whole damn team over there, man. We, yeah, man. Listen, and, and the room, the, the word on the street is that Cam Smith might be on the Sports Adjacent podcast very soon. What? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna leave you on that. Now that is a podcast that I would like to listen to and produce because I actually produce it. Russ and Jason and Tony do a great job on the Sports Adjacent podcast, and you're gonna add Cam Smith to the mix. Now, I I feel like that's three preachers' kids on on the. On there, they can have a lot of fun talking about their upbringing. I'm going to do more Bulls. Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic is going to join me. We're going to try and figure out a way for the Bulls to win tonight's game, which, by the way, is at 8.30. Speaking of games, isn't the Cubs game? It's been moved up to 5.40 tonight. So pregame today will be at 4.55 here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Quick three ball right side. Nope, pulled down by Giannis, and that's going to do it. Game one going to the Milwaukee Bucks in the final from Milwaukee 93 86. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is now. You know, um, they did what they were supposed to do. Post to at home. We got another opportunity, still home court. That's our goal now. You know, um, we got a lot we could dissect from this game, be able to come in and, and, and look over a lot of stuff tomorrow, try to clean up and be better at. You know, it definitely sucks, miss opportunity, but we got one more opportunity here in Milwaukee before, before we go back to Chicago. Yep, and it'll be late tonight. 8.30 is the tip time. It'll probably be a little bit later than that that the Bulls take on the Bucks in Game 2. Darnell Mayberry does an incredible job of covering the Bulls for the Athletic. Whenever he's on or anyone from the Athletic is on, I tell you, you should get a subscription. It's really great coverage of all the teams that you care about, plus more, and it's not that expensive. So you should go do that. He's nice enough to join me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Darnell, how are you, sir? I'm good, Lawrence. How are you today? Man, I'm doing great. I do have some apprehension about tonight's Bulls game that I would like to talk to you about. What do you think was the biggest reason, outside of the lack of shot making, that the Bulls lost game one? They couldn't make shots. I mean, you can't just throw it. Around. You can't just throw it out and say, you know, it, it didn't happen. They went twenty-one to seventy-one um, from the field from their big three, uh, and that that just can't happen. And so, um, you know, late game. If you want to throw that out, you know, hypothetically, late game situations. I think you could point to and say, uh, you know, they had a chance when inside the final three minutes. Hell, inside the final thirty seconds. 
and they let some opportunities get away uh, that we've seen, you know, before from this team this season. And, and we want to see if they're able to close out games uh, because, you know, it's one thing to, to keep it close and competitive. And then it's another thing, especially at this juncture in the season, to actually close out games when they're when they're closed down the stretch. From your perspective, hearing DeMar talk about, oh, you know, I won't go 6-25 or whatever again, do you think that was him missing open shots or did the, the Bucks do a good job of forcing him into tough shots? You know, the thing about DeMar Lawrence is that he gets to his spots, um, and, and that's what every coach, opposing coach, and opposing player has said all season. You know, when we've asked him about DeRozan and what makes him so good. He always gets to his spot. So if he's taking 25 shots, that alone is an indication that he got the shots that he wanted. You know, he, it's not like he took 12 shots and, and went two of 12. Uh, you know, he, he got 25 shots up, which means he got the, the precise shots that he wanted to take. And yes, he did miss a lot of them. Some of them were contested. Some of them were wide open that, that uh, you know, he normally makes. So I think he is right when he says that no way in hell he's going to shoot 6-25 again. Can they win if if he's not ultra-efficient? No. Um, you know, they, they have a hard enough time winning as it is. And, you know, if he's ultra-efficient, obviously that's going to help. But, you know, if he's going, uh, you know, 25 30% from the field in these games, that's going to be a burden that the Bulls just can't overcome. Yeah, it, it's weird when you, you start thinking about this team and kind of what's happened. Like from your your point of view, someone who's around this team every day, after the All Star break, what's gone on with them? Yeah, I mean, I think the injuries you can't dismiss. Uh, the the schedule strengthening you can't dismiss. Um, Lonzo Ball's absence has really hurt this team in a way that I don't think anyone anticipated. Uh, you know, especially for a sustained period of time. And that's the that's the thing that I think is the most surprising is they just haven't been able to overcome his absence. Uh, and even Caruso when he was out. But, but you, you just can't dismiss the injuries, the schedule getting harder. And they are, they are who, I guess, you know, they proved themselves to be over an 82-game season. They, they are an average team. They beat the bad teams and, and compete and win their share against the average teams. And they lose against the good teams, the best teams. So uh, that's just who they are. I've been trying to figure out what, how to use Vooch, and I'm guessing that that Billy's probably doing the same thing. Are the Bulls better served by running their offense through Vooch and maybe cutting down the time that he's outside of the three-point arc, or are they better off with him taking 10 three-pointers in a game, knowing that he's probably only going to hit three of them? I think in this Buck series, they're going to have to live with him taking threes and hope that he hits more than three out of ten um, because you're seeing that they're they're sending a lot of attention on the ball, whether it's Levine or DeRozan uh, in the pick and roll, and, and Booch is wide open at the three-point line, whether it's above the break or on the wing. Uh, you know, he's he's – getting opportunities to, to make defenses pay, and he just didn't do it in game one. So I think that they want to do both, um, but he's going to have to take and make those threes. Yeah, and he, he asked them to, to take and make him, I guess, and it's just, it, I felt like it's so weird, Darnell, because I felt like he played a good game. It's, it's strange <laughs> as it sounds. I felt like he played yeah. a good game 
because of all the things that they asked him to do, including you know checking up on on Giannis and and everything else. And it's like he can have that game, but only if Zach and Demar are on theirs. Yeah, I think the start for the Bulls just as a whole, it looked bad, and Vucevic got the brunt of it. Um, you know, he he missed an early one. Um, they got off to a nine zero start, uh, and Brooke Lopez was uh, one of the reasons behind them getting out to a, an early sixteen point lead. But you know, so it looked bad. I think Vucevic, and then the misses, obviously, um, and in close and from outside. So I think everything about Vucevic. Uh, performance that was poor was just loud. Everything that he did well, uh, you couldn't really uh, see as much. But his rebounding was huge. Brooke Lopez was neutralized in the second half, uh, and and those seventeen rebounds you just can't you can't overlook because the Bucks are going to demolish the Bulls on the boards, and they need Vucevic to go in there and bang and rebound. And he did that uh, as the game went on, and and he didn't let his poor shooting affect the rest of his game, and and that's what he's done a lot of this this season, and I, I give him a lot of credit for uh, coming in with the right attitude in the game one of a playoff game series. Do you, do you think Kobe will, will get more minutes in this game? Because he was, he was you know, he came in there and he did the job of the second unit scorer on Sunday. Yeah, I think he, he deserves uh, an opportunity because you can't just rely on the big three. I mean, even if they go 51 of 71, I mean, they're, they're still going to have a hard time beating the Bucks without a, a full complement of, of contributions from everyone. And, and that's, you know, it's not th- something that the Bulls have been great at consistently this season. And in game one, it just kind of really showed that, you know, if they rely on DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic solely against this loaded Bucks team, they're going to be in trouble. So they need Kobe White. Hmm. So the other part of that is the conversation that you and I had the last time you were on the show, Patrick Williams we saw him against Minnesota, and he was doing things when he was the focal point of an offense in a game that was basically a summer league game. I saw him pass up an open shot on Sunday, and I was like, why? Why are you doing that? So what what do you think it will take to get him to be comfortable to take that shot, even though on that particular play, DeMar was five feet from him, he, he he deferred, and I'm like, please don't do that anymore. Just shoot. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to take. And that's the thing that, that was so frustrating about that, that Minnesota game is that we know that he can he can do that. He's, seen, he's shown that he can do that. We've seen it. Um, it just doesn't need to be in a summer league setting or when everyone is sitting, you know, in the final regular <laughs> season game. So if he can do that, when DeRozan's on the court, when Levine's on the court, Vucevic is on the court, uh, you know, he's a good player. But the coaches, I, I would like to say that some of it is on the staff because they want to play through the big three so much, and it leaves everyone else in a position to second-guess and hesitate and question themselves. And you're seeing that in Patrick Williams. You've seen that at times this season with Kobe White. Io, uh, surprisingly, as a rookie, second-round draft pick, is the one who has come out and just kind of played his game. Uh, but you've seen that from several guys, Javante Green, Derrick Jones Jr. as well. Um, but with Patrick Williams, the coaches have been on him so much to be aggressive. His teammates have been on him so much to be aggressive. There's no more excuses for him. I mean, there's no more explanation, and there's no more excuses. Even if 
they want to play through the big three and have made that uh, a point of emphasis all throughout the season, they've also made him, uh, given him the green light to be aggressive, especially offensively, and, and he just still hesitates for whatever reason. Did Billy Donovan have a good game Sunday? It was a confusing game. Uh, I don't know if it was bad. I don't. I wouldn't say it was bad. Um, I don't know if it was good. You, you know, they lost the game, uh, but it was confusing how he used his bench. I mean, he was playing guys like Tristan Thompson two minutes stints. Uh, you know, in the first half and in foul trouble, uh, and then I guess Patrick Williams' ineffectiveness. I guess you know switched it over to Javante Green and and Derrick Jones Jr. a little bit more in the second half, but. Uh, I, I just didn't understand some of it, some some of the decisions that were made. Uh, there was a lot of talk about not challenging that that call on Giannis uh, over the back on that rebound, and we're like a little over two minutes left. Uh, so, th- so there were things like that that were confusing. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put, put the blame on Billy and say he had a bad game. No. Okay. If, if the Bulls are gonna win tonight, what has to happen? They got to shoot better. They got to still take care of the ball uh, like they did. Only eleven turnovers. Uh, and then they've got to force Milwaukee in the turnovers. You saw they took, I think, 12 more shots than the Bucks in game one, and that was a big uh, product of, of the turnover department and also the Bulls um, holding their own as the game went on, rebounding uh, and really grabbing some of those offensive rebounds off of a lot of those misses. So uh, if, they can, if they can win the turnover game, stay, stay competitive on the boards, and make shots. I think they have a chance, but I'm not saying they're going to win the game, Lawrence. Come no, on. no, I, I, I'm yeah. not. I'm just trying. Look, Darnell, I'm, I'm out here trying to, to fill the hope bucket up, man. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I'm trying to, 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 to get people to go. Well, how to turn their head sideways and squint and try to figure out a way that they can win. But the problem is that even with the turnovers, the points off turnovers for them on Sunday was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. What was it like? Fourteen or fifteen off of the twenty-one that they. They generate it, so they've got to be able to convert for sure. Yeah, like like that. All of it was so disappointing, man. Do do they feel like they let one slip away? Absolutely. Um, you know, you don't get opportunities like that against defending champions uh, on their home floor. Game one. This is your first time in the postseason together as a group, uh, and you haven't played well since February. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a missed opportunity. Um, but I think one of the players said it last night, nothing you can do about it now other than go out there and try to win game two. Let me flip over a question that I asked you about the Bulls, about the Bucks. Did the Bucks shoot poorly because they were having an off night, or were the Bulls a main reason why they were having an off night? You know, it's interesting because if you look back, you know, they had some games earlier in the, se- in the season series that the, that the Bucks struggled shooting the ball. Obviously, a lot of the players were in and out of the lineup, but something about this series, I mean, and they also had some two games later in the season <laughs> they got out of hand, but something about this matchup is it's just physical, it's intense, uh, and, and players are struggling to make shots. They kind of credited the week off, the layoff, as a reason for maybe both teams struggling, so we'll see with only two days off now uh, if they can get a little bit more efficient from the field. Darnell, um, when the season's over, uh, so I'm, I'm guessing in about a week, uh, I would love to talk to you again about this thing. My hope is that I can get you back on because the Bulls have extended the series. But I, I, I feel like that's probably a little too hopeful even for me. But it, either way, I appreciate your time and the great work that you're doing at The Athletic.
Thank you, Lawrence. I always enjoy you, man. You're the best in the city. That is Darnell Mayberry. He's right about that, you know. Look, it's a rule, and I usually stick by the rule of, hey, I'm doing a radio show, and my radio show today happens to be on versus a game. Ordinarily, I don't talk about a game that I'm on up against because if you're interested in it, you're probably watching it or you're listening to it, and either way is fine. But let me just say this. The the ball that the White Sox have played through the first two innings of their game against Cleveland is outrageous. It, it, it looks like nine drunk guys decided to play baseball today. I'm sorry, eight, because I think Dallas has actually been decent. It looks like eight drunk guys are playing baseball today behind them. It's bad. They're lucky they're only down two nothing. It is, it is, you talk about flushing. If they don't come back and win this game, a flushing game, goodness gracious, they've been horrible. There's a good reason for you to just stick right here on the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. So the White Sox have a second game later on this afternoon where they'll be playing the Cleveland Guardians. Um, You don't need to really watch the rest or listen to the rest of this game because right now in the second inning with nobody out, it's 7 to nothing. This is a doubleheader, man. Like This is the worst possible start to a doubleheader. Three errors in an inning and a half. And Dallas Keuchel, he got to wear it now, fam. Like, Dallas Keuchel has got to pitch four because you still got a lot of innings to cover. And you're the road team. Man. Whoo. I guess those two days off, while they were good in one respect, they were good because people like Lucas Giolito are getting healthier and it means less bad starts are going to happen. You had two extra days so you can lop off two bad starts. And the thing is, is that this isn't even really on Dallas. I mean, it kind of is because he did give up the the bomb, but they put him in a bad spot and you know you're going to hear about it because Dallas don't play that. I'm sure he's ready for a team meeting right now. But first, he's got to get out of the second inning and he's struggling doing that. Man, messed up my whole damn day. Then I got to wait till 8.30 to watch the Bulls tonight. Man, they better do something. The big three can't be missing 50 shots this game. And acting like they did something. They better come up with a win. I expect when I talk with Spiegel and Gabe Ramirez, the White Sox still won't be out of the bottom of the second inning. Come on, man. You got to be bleeping me. Back after this with Speaks and Gabe.